All right, so we're in 1 Corinthians 15, and it goes very well with what Michael was talking about this morning in our Lord's Supper talk. Um, There is an aspect, however, we're going to deal with as was given in the scripture reading for us this morning. And that is, if the dead are not raised, then what? How many of you have actually thought about the ramifications if, in fact, there is no such thing as a resurrection? What does it mean for me? Anybody? Some of you have? I have. And I can pretty much guarantee, although I don't know for a fact, but knowing myself, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't even be a Christian if that were the case. I believe that because what brought me to being in Christ was first and foremost, because I did not want to go to hell. That was first and foremost. So when I heard the gospel, it was not like the love of God, the grace of God. It was, I just don't want to go to hell. I don't want to be condemned. But as I was growing in the Lord and, and getting closer and closer to my Lord, I want to spend my time with him. And so I'll read his word and I'll proclaim it to those who I get to know. But I believe just as surely as I'm standing here because of my convictions, I would not be here if I was not convicted that the dead are in fact raised. But not everyone thinks this way. And so the Apostle Paul actually deals with this subject matter because there are a number of people who believe that the dead are not raised from the dead. There's a number that do believe that in the world, including some religious, if you will. And when I say some religious, I'm talking about those who profess to be Jews and some who, get this, profess to be Christians. And so... This is a very important sermon because it has to do a lot with what we do and why we do what we're doing, including the Lord's Supper. And so keep these things in mind as you go through the lesson. If if there are those that believe that, and many do, believe that the dead are not raised, get this then. There has to be a reason for that. And so just as surely as as believers, we believe in the resurrection. There are those who are non-believing and they don't believe it. And a lot of it is because of the mindset that we live today. We want empirical data. We want evidence, right? So is there any evidence that Jesus was raised from the dead? And people are going to say, well, I didn't see it, right? We would call them doubting Thomases today. But there are people saying, ah, you know, you're just having to believe in someone's words. And how do you challenge someone's words when they're dead from 2,000 years ago? Why should we believe them and not believe in other people? And so there are things like this that that you're going to have people that doubt, just as, again, Michael was mentioning. And so if they they haven't seen it, then it happened. Or you, when you talk about empirical data, they haven't experimented with it. You know, people can talk about, well, I died, I came back to life, I I can tell you about the light and all these different things. No one that we know of has experimented saying, okay, I'm going to die. And after about three days, I'm going to come back to life. And then let, I'll let you guys know what happened. There's no opportunity for that. The best we've ever had is someone who has been clinically dead for, what, minutes to maybe a couple of hours. And where we have records where they have, quote, unquote, come back to life. That's as good as we've gotten. I don't know of anyone that's been 
gone through a, a burial, and then all of a sudden they're able to, to be resurrected from that. And so, again, this is the reason, or at least part of, not all the reasons, but a, a significant reason why many do not believe that the dead are raised. That happens. Well, I mentioned some of the Jews because in the first century, there was a group of Jews that specifically did not believe in the resurrection. In fact, that was what they were known for. The Sadducees were known for that, right? And so you had these denominational sects called Pharisees, Sadducees, Essenes, and they're known for certain things. And the Sadducees were known for not believing in the resurrection, which I find completely amazing because the Jews, by and large, believed in the resurrection. It was a, a large part of their faith. This is the whole reason why when Jesus spoke to the Pharisees, he spoke to them of Abraham and saying that, you know, the Messiah is of David's lineage, and yet David calls him master, the Messiah who's after him. And that he is the God of the living, so he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so he goes on, and we've got the discussions that we can read throughout the scriptures. But even the Jews, the Sadducees, who deny that there's a resurrection, that happens. And so as you go on through the scriptures, you ask, well, if the dead are not raised, what are those ramifications? And the Apostle Paul deals with those ramifications as we just talked about. So in verses 12 through 19... And, and we're not going to hit every single point right here on the slide, but, but notice what he says. He says, if the dead are not raised, then our preaching is in vain. It's futile. I mean, what's the purpose of preaching good news of salvation if all we have is good news of salvation in this life? What's the advantage between the believer and the non-believer that when you die, you're just dead? And so he said, our preaching is in vain then, if the dead are not raised. He said, our faith, or your faith, depending on the translation too, our faith is in vain. Just as surely as the preaching is in vain, if the dead are not raised, why do you believe? I've heard it said by some Christians at times over the years that you know that even if Christianity somehow is false, we at least have good lives. You know, we have better moral lives, and so we don't get in trouble, or this or that. My personal reply is, okay. I mean, Christians are persecuted for their beliefs. So you have a better life? Define better. Like better as in you don't get in trouble with the law, or through the law, you get to be persecuted. What's better? Is better like you just have a good conscience about your morality? Or someone can live a completely immoral life and be completely happy and satisfied with their choices? You know, what's better if there is no point of life beyond this earth? So Paul says, our faith is in vain. And then he goes on to say, if in fact there is no resurrection, he makes a connection between it and we're still in our sins then. And that is very hard for some of, us, some of us to make that connection. But that's what he's saying is the reality if, in fact, the dead are not raised. You're still in your sins. 
In other words, God made man in his image that we would have fellowship with him. That's from the very beginning. And that fellowship means that there's no death. But yet, if there's no resurrection and someone dies, where's the reuniting between God and those he has made in his image? So he says, you're still in your sins. And it goes worse. We, as those who are preaching that the dead are raised, that Christ is raised from the dead, we are preaching false witnesses. We are false witnesses. We are speaking falsehoods, false doctrine, false teaching, if you will. That's the reality if, in fact, the dead are not raised. And so we're preaching not only as false witnesses, we're even preaching a false god. This is the very thing that the world will say, that's why I'm not a Christian. You guys have a false god. You guys talk about being raised from the dead. What kind of talk is that? These are the things the apostle Paul says. If, in fact, the dead are not raised, here's the ramifications. So, with that in mind, the reality of those previous points is this. Christians are the most pitied among mankind. If there is no such thing as a resurrection, if the dead are not raised, we're the most pitied. Because we're living this illusion. We're living in this fantasy of hoping in something when, in fact, that something does not exist. So we're, we're pitied. Like all these foolish Christians that believe in fairy tales. That's the picture. And the Apostle Paul goes on further to say in verse 32 of, of um, this chapter 15, dealing with death and resurrection, and ultimately the, the victory that we have in Christ, he says then, eat Drink and be merry, for tomorrow we die. That's the same mindset that I have, by the way. I mean, I don't know if, if it came before I knew this passage, or since because of this passage, I would agree with it. I don't know what came first, but that's the same mentality that I have. If, in fact, there's no resurrection of the dead, <coughs> you may as well just eat, drink, and be merry. That's a common phrase for centuries, by the way. In other words, seize the day. Live for today. Because tomorrow, we don't have anything. And when that happens, you talk about chaos. But it's chaos as to, I'm just going to do what I want to do. I'm going to get mine. I'm going to make myself happy. And I don't care about you. That's the result. And I would venture to say, I mean, to a lesser or greater degree, some people have more sense of morality than others. But uh, I would not have the same moral compass that I have today. I would not have Jesus as, as my savior, let alone my guide, my king. And that's what Paul says. If the dead are not raised, then eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. But Paul says very explicitly, Christ has been raised from the dead. And when you think of what evidences there are, remember that empirical evidence that we're talking about? When we think about these things, the scriptures are, are rampant with it. I'm, I'm going to give some Old Testament passages, but all, you just read the New Testament, it's all over the place, including an entire chapter, what we call 1 Corinthians chapter 15, that deals with this. And in this 15th chapter, beginning in verses 1 and 2, the Apostle Paul says this, Moreover, brethren, I want to declare to you the gospel which I preached to you which you also received, 
You received it. You agreed. You believed in the resurrection. So at one time, those of you are now questioning whether or not the dead are raised. You believed that the dead were raised at one point. Whether that was a solid conviction that has now been wavered or you just kind of sort of believe. He said you believed. Furthermore, you received and in which you stand. In which you are saved. If you hold fast the word which I preached to you. Unless you had believed in vain. If your belief was futile then, well, then in that case, you don't stand in this conviction and you don't have this salvation. He goes on to say, with regard to this, in verse 6. I'm going to go back up. I'm going to read from verse 3. I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. Remember that? You're still dead in your sins if, if the dead are not raised. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried according to the scriptures and that he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures. Furthermore, he was seen by Cephas or by Peter and then by the 12. After that, he was seen, eyewitness accounts, by over 500 brethren at one time. Now think about that. That's a very bold statement to say at least 500. We have what, about 150, maybe 150, 175 plus, somewhere in that ballpark. Think about that. Take three or four of these groups, right? And at some point, 20, 30 years down the road, a number of us would still be alive out of the 500 that we could verify whether or not these people saying, did you see Jesus after he died? alive again and those 500 were saying yeah we were there that's what paul is saying you want empirical evidence it happened there's eyewitnesses either that or hundreds of people were lying that they saw the messiah who they saw on the cross die knowing that he'd been buried knowing what tomb he was in and knowing that three days later that tomb was empty and then they saw him at the same time that's what Paul is saying had taken place. There is empirical evidence. It's just that now we're 2,000 years later, and we cannot relive this every single day for every single person that comes along saying, hey, I didn't see it, so it didn't happen. The reality is, Paul says, it did happen. There were eyewitnesses. The same can be said for scriptures that the Jews believed in. We can read Isaiah, we can read other passages, we'll read them real quick. Your dead shall live, together with my dead body they shall arise, awake and seeing you who dwell in dust. For your dew is like the dew of herbs, and the earth shall cast out the dead. Isaiah's talking about resurrection here. For whatever the context you can deal with, that's the picture of the resurrection, that the reason why all the Jews, save the Sadducees, believed in a resurrection or Daniel chapter 12, verse 2. Many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake. Some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. Job says, centuries earlier, for I know that my Redeemer lives. The very hymn that we sing, right? 
I know that my Redeemer lives, and he shall stand at last on earth. And after my skin is destroyed, this I know, that in my flesh I shall see God. He makes it boldly clear in his dialogue that this is the case. And so there are passages in the Old Testament that prophesy looking forward to this resurrection. And as Michael was relaying in John chapter 20, as he was reading, right, all the way through verse 29, Jesus said to, to Thomas, because you have seen me, you believed. Blessed are those who did not see and yet believed. So what does it come down to then? Blind faith? I mean, there is evidence, but it's evidence upon these eyewitnesses from 2,000 years ago. We haven't seen a resurrected Christ. I know I haven't. I didn't get some miraculous thing take place. You, to my knowledge, you haven't had the same thing. And yet, we're all here in this room. The question I'm asking you is, is the belief that you have, is it in vain? Like you're not, you're really not sure. Because if it is, you are the person that, among other reasons, can lose your faith. But if you believe with great conviction and great hope, the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 and 2, stand fast in that conviction because that's what brings your salvation. What, what Paul is saying is the resurrection is vitally important to your salvation. It is fundamental to Christianity. Because if the dead are not raised, you're still in your sins. Because Christ died for our sins so that he would be buried and raised again. That we might have everlasting life as well. So the question is, do you believe? It's not, we're not talking about like just nodding our heads up and down. We're talking about when you walk out of this room and you live your life. You make your decisions throughout your day. It's based upon a fundamental bedrock belief that Jesus died for my sins. And through his resurrection, I have been promised the same. That's what allows me to stand before someone who might be willing to take my life and say, yeah, I'm willing to die because all this is is flesh. You can destroy this physical body, but you cannot destroy the person that God had created through his son. It's the kind of person that allows you to live this quote-unquote moral lifestyle, right? And... I don't know about you, when, when, when we're out of this room and you're in your lives and no one else can see what you're doing to see just how moral you are, if you have this bedrock faith, you have a life that says, I want to glorify you, God. It's a conviction because it's a genuine conviction. It's not fake. So when I'm asking, do you believe, it's not just a simple nod your head up and down, but it's how you answer that with your daily living. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Do you truly believe? 
that Jesus is the one who died for your sins, was buried and raised again. When we're partaking of the Lord's Supper, every Lord's Day, it should be based upon this conviction that you have in your heart of hearts that allows you to even come here. Otherwise, in my personal opinion, that I, that I see lines up with all that the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 12 through 19, you're wasting your time. Now, from a fleshly standpoint, I'd rather you be here. I want you to keep being fed the word of God. And maybe, maybe, and this is again from my vantage point, your diluted, wrong mind <laughs> can accept the truth at some point. But beyond that, you're wasting your time if you don't believe. You really are. You could be just eating and drinking and living a merry life. But if you're fully convicted, it allows you to come together with saints and be encouraged that we can be of one mind with one conviction and having such boldness as to share this conviction with people who do not believe to the point that people might hate you for it and yet you still share this conviction. That's the question, do you believe? And is it based upon this faith that you see right here in Scripture? We've got the song of invitation. He is able to deliver thee. It's only based upon the belief that Jesus is the Christ who died, was buried, and raised again that we have this deliverance. This is the confession that we stand in. Do you believe that he's able to deliver you? That he has. And for those who have yet to call upon the Lord to be saved, that's God's promise to you. He is able to deliver you, and he gives his son as a foretaste, if you will, as the firstborn. Do you have that conviction? If you do, you can be united with him. You can die in his death, so to speak, through that watery grave of baptism so that you can be buried with him as he had been buried and to rise up again as he was risen from the dead. That's that picture of the gospel in that baptism when you confess that he is the Christ because of that belief that he died and raised again. Brethren, if, if you've ever wavered in your convictions, and I get it, it happens to, to us as believers at times as it did to our brethren 2,000 years ago in a place called Corinth. If you waver, be reassured that Jesus died and rose again for your sins. Be convicted once again. Do that right now. Together we stand and sing this song.